Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. You are listening to episode 282 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. I was looking at number of episodes that we released in last six years, and I'm so proud that in last six years, every single week I had the opportunity to release a one brand new episode for you guys. I'm I'm feeling so proud that I haven't had a repeat on our collection. We haven't missed a week, and I wanted to say how grateful I am from bottom of my heart that many of you guys been in this journey with us since the first year and we are in a six years relationship six year relationship thank you so much for being part of our listenership and our community today we're going to talk about period sex that's something that you guys asked me many many times to talk about i invited this wonderful gynecologist dr jennifer lincoln to teach us how we can have hot period sex in this episode we're going to talk about some of the benefits of having sex when you have your period we're going to talk about best practices around period sex. We're going to talk about the chances of getting pregnant. We're going to talk about the smell. We're going to talk about the location. We're going to talk about is there a way to slow down your flow and many, many more questions that you guys sent us. As I mentioned, our guest is Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. Dr. Lincoln is a board-certified OBGYN who is passionate about helping girls, women, and those assigned female at birth understand their bodies and feel empowered to advocate for themselves. Her book, Let's Talk About Down There, and OBGYN answers all your burning questions without making you feel embarrassed for asking. It's a shame-free illustrated handbook for people with vaginas. It's like the health class you wished you had Think evidence-based, myth-busting sex ed that tosses out shame out of the window. All right, without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to welcome Dr. Jennifer Lincoln on our show. Dr. Jennifer, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this. I am very excited and looking forward to this conversation. Period sex is one of the topics that many, many of our listeners asked about it from us last few years. And we're going to do a deep dive on the topic. <laughs> I love it because I've been on podcasts before, but we've never like just talked about this. And so I'm thrilled because I feel like it's this thing. Everybody's either doing it or wants to do it and like has questions about it and nobody's talking about it. So we're doing it. I love it. Yes. Yeah. So let's start with talking about, can we have sex during our period? You sure can. Like that's the simple answer. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's like, you're not going to die if you do it. It's, it's, it's also totally fine if you're hearing this topic and you're thinking that's so gross. I don't want to do it. Like it's, it's, it's what feels good for you. So if this sounds good, awesome. Keep listening. If not, that's okay too. Um, for you and your yeah. partner, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Whatever. Yeah. If, if you, you know, think that this is something you want to do, you can, there's no medical reason that you can't. And I'm sure we'll get into kind of the logistics of it, but 
Yeah. And some people actually find that period sex is better. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and purely in my experience is people's preference. And it's interestingly, I think it's generational related who's Mm -hmm. willing to do it kind of like a cultural kind of component to it. So you can talk more about it, but I hear that it has some benefits. So tell us what are some of the benefits of having period sex? Yeah, there's a couple. One of which is that, and maybe this sounds gross, but remember we're kind of undoing the shame that society has put on us is that sometimes period blood can actually act like a bit of a lubricant. And so Mm -hmm. if you're somebody where you feel that you don't always get as wet as you would like, or you feel like you need lube, which again, lube is great for everybody. Period blood can act like that. So that's super cool that it's there. You don't have to do anything. It's just, it's there and ready for you. The other big one is that having sex makes us feel good. And sometimes having your period doesn't make you feel good. So what better thing to do than to, you know, try to feel a little bit better is to do something that makes you feel good, like have sex. And we know that the hormone that's released when you orgasm, which is oxytocin. It's the same hormone that's released when you have a baby or when you're breastfeeding and your milk lets down, it causes that uterus to contract and expel blood will also happens during orgasm. And it can actually help get some of that period blood out. So I don't know, could your period be shorter if you have lots of sex and lots of orgasms? It sounds like a fantastic study, but it's not proven, but theoretically, but just the idea that when you release this hormone, this feel good hormone, this love hormone, it's been shown to help with things like painful cramps and help you feel better. So it's really cool if you feel like you need to feel better from that. And the other thing too, is that I think it's a really great way to just feel like your body is amazing. And there's no time of the month where you're dirty or shameful and having sex on your period. I don't know. It might sound kind of out there and like loopy doopy, but I think it's a really cool way to reframe. Like we're on our periods and we're gross and we're dirty and we, you know, blah. but no, actually you can have sex and then you do it and you feel like this like amazing empowered woman. I think it's really cool. I agree with you. And uh, I know many people say like it's a kind of lubrication piece is really mm-hmm. good because your body has kind of like creates this lubrication. And in past people have asked me, what if I want to add lube for any reason? Mm-hmm. Is that still safe to do that? Yeah, still totally fine. You know, I always have my little caveats about lube, make sure you're using the right kind, avoid scents and fragrances. And even, you know, I would say maybe even more in your period, just because we do know that the cervix is open a wee bit more to let that blood out. So could you potentially be at a higher risk if something does cause an infection or, you know, irritates you to, to ascend into the uterus potentially, but that's probably overblown, but yeah, feel free, grab the lube. I love lubes and they're just like a galaxy of different types of lubricants that they're all out there. Yeah. Uh, and you said it's important to know the kind of the right kind, what should right. we be on the lookout for when they're choosing yeah. a lube? Yeah. So biggest thing is avoid anything with scents or fragrances And do not use internal lubes that have things like heating or cooling elements. Mm. It is okay to potentially use those if you, you know, you've tested them on the outer skin, they feel okay. Some people do find that they work really nice to help with like clitoral arousal. So external, yes. Internal, no, very bad. But the other thing to know is to know what, what do you need to worry about? So if you are dependent on condoms for birth control or STI protection, you do not want to use an oil-based lube because that can cause them to break down and then they don't work. Same thing with silicone lubes. If you are using toys, silicone lubrication can actually damage the toys. And I say with anybody who's using toys or anything in the bedroom, just read the instructions and see what they say is okay and is not okay. Oil and silicone-based lubes can also stain the sheets, but this is where period sex is awesome because if you've got like a towel that you have out or a set of sheets and you're not worried about it, then adding in a silicone lube, which can be great, it's very silky, it lasts a long time, this could be a great time to try it. And then water-based lube is really, is fantastic. Um, Safe with toys, safe with condoms. 
but can sometimes evaporate quickly. So you need to use more, but that's okay. Just buy the big size. <laughs> <laughs> and it's my experience. It's good if people experiment with different companies, different mm-hmm. brands, because to me is that like water-based loop from one company feels right. completely different than the other company. So they have different ingredients. So it's good to test right. that. Totally. What do you think about CBD, CBD ones? I got yeah. some samples. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm kind of curious about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, CBD is having a moment, right? It's in everything I I feel like. And I just did a YouTube video a few months ago about CBD tampons. And so Mm -hmm. this idea that CBD could potentially help with pain and with cramps, I think there's a real potential there. And I think we will continue to get more data. Unfortunately, it's a bit hard to study with all of the stigma related to cannabis and even like federal limitations on what we can study, which I trust me, I'm frustrated with. But I do think there is the potential that it could help. Until then, I tell people to be really careful because these products are a lot like other supplements in that they are not regulated truly by the FDA in terms of what you what's on the label has to be in there. There have been instances where some CBD products have been shown to have other chemicals, including THC, which is the active substance in cannabis that can cause you to get high. And so when it comes to placing things in the vagina, I, I'm try to be really clear, like, let's be really careful what we put in there. Could CBD lube be a thing? It could be, but also it's kind of confusing to me. Like, what what are we going for here? Like, are we going for pain control versus lubrication? Like, maybe it's best to keep things very simple. And like you said, with different lube companies, like as few ingredients as possible, because you just don't want to know what you're going to react to. So yeah, I think the jury's still out. But like you said, yeah, you'll get samples because everybody under the sun is making some product right now, right? And it's just, it's hard to know. So if you are going to use something, I would say, be really careful. Look at their website, see what their third-party testing is. See, you know, ask for their safety data. They should be able to readily give this to you. It's my experience that the one that you kind of like the luxury kind of premium product when it comes to lube, it makes a difference. Before mm-hmm. I become a, became a sex therapist, I was always buying my lube from pharmacy. Yeah. Now I feel like it's like I'm a, a lube consumer that I feel yes. like <laughs> now I cannot buy I things from it. pharmacy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do think sometimes you get what you pay for. And there are definitely things in the world that I'm like, just buy the generic brand, right? Like, like pregnancy tests, a pregnancy test is a pregnancy test. Go to the dollar store, get it off of Amazon. But yeah, I might, you might want to spend on the Uber lube or other things that, you know, and we as gynecologists have seen that people, their skin might have less reactions, you know, they Uh tend to do better. So sometimes it is worth, it's like with the vitamin C serum. Sometimes you just, you get what you pay for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so passionate about lube. I I I always circle back to my opinion about different lube. But going back to period sex, some people think about the benefit of it is like, they're Mm -hmm. not going to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Yeah. And do you notice how I did not mention that? Because I don't think it's a true benefit. I think for the vast majority of people, it's true. Like, yes. So when people, and I always get teenagers asking me this, they're like, Dr. Jen, can I get pregnant on my period? And I always say, you can never say never. The chances are very low. But if you do this repeatedly throughout your life, there is a potential chance that you could get pregnant. So, you know, and then always people want to know what's the percentage chance. And I'm like, I wish I could tell you, but it's probably less than 1% or it might be a bit higher, actually, if you've got shorter cycles or irregular cycles. 
because sperm lives in the human body up to five days. And so if you've got a shorter menstrual cycle, you know, overall, and you're having sex on your period, you could actually get to the point where that sperm is still there when you ovulate. So it's important to know that it's not a get out of jail free card. And I see this a lot on Instagram. I bet you see this stuff too. A lot of these, you know, wellness influencers who are very anti-birth control, who are very angry that people like me are saying you need to have safe sex all the time because they, you know, they say, well, you can only get pregnant a couple of days out of the month. So why do we need something all the time? And, and, you know, for example, they say when you have sex on your period, you can't get pregnant. It's not likely, but it's also not impossible. And so it's up to you for you to decide how, how protected do you want to be? If you're okay with like a one or 2% chance, cool. And if you're like, nope, this is not the time, like then don't use that. So I think that it's just important to know that. And I'm a huge fan of people making informed choices. And so you decide what risk is worth it for you. I love that. And I'm with you with being intentional about any type of family planning you're doing. Mm-hmm. Because I sometimes I ask my clients that what kind of protection you're using. They say like, you know, we're just like trying our best to kind of like pay attention to kind mm-hmm. of like changes in our cycle. And and like, it's just huge number of them. I would say like, I think mm-hmm. like around 20, 25%, they're going to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that they plan for. So I think right. like, it's really helpful if you can be more intentional about it. Right. If you totally. are planning to get pregnant in the next, I don't know, couple years, <laughs> then mm-hmm. maybe risk it. But mm-hmm. if you are younger and you feel like that's not something that it's in your plan, then it's important to be intentional. And yeah, also totally. for SDIs, kind of prevention mm-hmm. of SDIs, I think it's it's really important to to be kind of like mindful of that, even when you're in period, can you get STIs when you're near? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And in fact, it's important to know that some STIs are also bloodborne infections. So specifically thinking about HIV and hepatitis. And so those are not just spread through sex, which if you're having period sex, you're doing that, but also through contact with blood. And if you're having period sex, you're doing that. So you are increasing your risk of those. And so it's important to know the status of yourself, your partner. And if you have a diagnosis of HIV or hep C, And yes, people who have those diagnoses can absolutely have fulfilling sex lives and can take steps to protect themselves from their partners who may also not have that diagnosis. But having period sex would not be something I would recommend for somebody in that situation. Yeah. So it's important to understand, you know, you might mentally think, well, I'm at a lower risk, right? Because like the blood is like flushing things out and that's sadly not the case. So super important to be mindful of that too. One of the questions that I get a lot from people is that they, if they are older, if they mm-hmm. take, do the vaccination for HPV, is that still mm-hmm. effective? Yes. Oh, and so I love talking about the HPV vaccine. Yeah. So it, it just got FDA approved up to the age of 45. They just oh. changed that. I can't exactly remember when, but definitely a change from when it first rolled out, right? So yeah, so you can get it. And what, what they say when it's FDA approved, it means that your insurance will cover it. And they've studied it up until that point. But you probably know, like there are people out there who are 50, 55, and maybe they're back out in the market now. Their partner, they're not with them anymore. They're newly single. And so they are thankfully thinking about STI protection. And I think it's an individual decision. And I do think if I had somebody come to me who was 50 and said, hey, I want this vaccine, I would not hesitate at all to give it to them. It may be not FDA approved, but it doesn't magically stop working. And so, yes, while we and as a gynecologist and as somebody married to a pediatrician and as somebody who's 11 year old got his first HPV vaccine just a few months ago, I'm a huge fan of getting it as early as you can because we know that protects you. So starting at age 11 to 12, although it can actually be given as young as nine, but that doesn't mean that later it's not beneficial. Now with 80% of us at some point in time having HPV, myself included, like it is not a dirty thing. It's the common cold with a vagina. 
if you have it, that means that you have maybe one strain of it. There's still lots of others out there and there's a few high risk strains and the vaccine prevents nine of them. So if you have it and let's say you're 30 and you're like, well, now I'm get this, like, is it still good? Yeah. It still protects you against the other strains. So I'm a huge fan of that. And I'm a huge fan of getting that message out. So thank you for somehow weaving that into period sex. I love it so much. (laughs) I think it's such a wonderful option and resource right now. I mean, it prevents cancer. Hello. Like that's an anti-cancer vaccine. That's a girl's that's a hundred years ago. People would be like, why would you ever not want this? <laughs> right. That even if it's yeah. like that, like older, like when you're older and you said like mm-hmm. you're back in the market, sometimes maybe you're right. not worried about kind of like pregnancy anymore, right. which can be a gift, but then kind of right. it's important to have kind of take actions to make sure that you are protecting yourself again. Totally. I mean, we're seeing STI rates go up across the country and yeah, I mean, in some nursing homes, they're having these little outbreaks of like gonorrhea. It's happening, which I love that they're having sex. I love it so much for them. Like that's how it should be. But you still have to be safe. It's great. You don't have to worry about pregnancy, like you said, but there's still some other other things out there you could get. The <laughs> <laughs> thing at times I hear from my friends actually is that that they feel more turned on during their period. Is that is that a thing? Yeah. I mean, some people, so yeah. So for the listeners who are like, she's lying. Like I feel gross during my period. Don't even look at me. I get that. Like that is totally valid, but there are some people who do feel turned on and it may be related to the fluctuation of hormones. So it's however you feel is how you feel. And for some people, just that idea of like they're being in touch with their femininity, it might again, sound a little out there, but sometimes having this period, feeling very in touch with your cycle, feeling like your body is doing what it's supposed to be, that can be really, really hot. And so some people feel very empowered in those moments. And so either way, however you feel, it's great. But I do think, like you said, the generational thing, like there are some people who are hearing this and they're like, what will people come up with next? You know, And there are definitely some guys out there who I think would never go for it, but it's all about going deeper and saying, why do you feel this way? And actually it could be really awesome. And, you know, have you even tried it? (laughs) (laughs) You're absolutely right. I think it's a lover to lover is different. And it's my, my personal experience that sometimes people feel that like, if you never had someone that had a bad reaction, then that's very different. than if you first Mm -hmm. time you want to have a free and someone said like, Oh my God, I'm not going to do that. So, so much of it, it's learned behaviors. And I have clients that they have this kind of like finish of they love yeah. having sex during kind of when they're blood and they're kind of like yeah. all sorts of fluid. I know some people are at this point, they're turning off this, <laughs> this show, <laughs> but that is true. It is, it is. And it's like whatever floats your boat, right? If it's not harming you and yeah, it's not for everybody, but sometimes what's not for us is like you said, because somebody has made us feel bad about it. And it's, you know, it's, it's a very, I think it's really cool. Like it probably goes back to our primal nature. Like we didn't have birth control, you know, we were out there, you know, pregnancy was, and still is one of the most dangerous things we do in our lives. So again, not saying we should rely on it for birth control, but it's the least likely time you'll get pregnant. So I guarantee you, there were people out there who were like, this is the time we have sex, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago with our, you know, less evolved brain, but we knew that. So I think it's pretty cool. I think so too. And I think it's just a matter of kind of like working through those shame and stigma Mm -hmm. you have around your body, because I know many women are just so uncomfortable with the changes in their body. So, and it's because of marketing, right? Cause you look, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure you've seen Vagisil's newer line. They put out maybe two years ago, that OMV line and their line was for, this is to target teens for people who have not seen it. It's like Vagisil, but make it for teens and the marketing's adorable. One of their lines they said was for your period funk. 
So a company is telling you that you are disgusting during your period, but they have the solution. Yeah. It's, and, and this, we, we, we think this is okay. And we think it's okay to make our teens feel this way. And then what happens is as they get older, they think that they're dirty and something that might be very pleasurable. They're even afraid to think of it because a company told them they were gross. So oh, I cannot stand them. That's a topic for another day though. And you, can, <laughs> you can always follow the money, as you said, that is, just, yeah. uh, these are kind of like ways to make people feel certain ways. And so yeah. they can buy more products exactly if people are interested in oral sex Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. what what do you want them to keep in mind is it safe to do it do they need to use dental dam what 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 do you recommend I think for sure during your period if you're you know if you don't know the status of your partner and you're worried about infection like we talked about then absolutely and I do think that it doesn't mean oral sex is a no-no is it a great idea to try to on purpose ingest someone else's blood I don't think so I don't think that's great but what's nice about periods is that it's not like it's continuously gushing out of you although what's sad is that some people think that and some people also think you can hold your period in like this is what I learned on TikTok and it's terrible but it's fine you know you can kind of wipe down there you can have oral sex if that's something that you're down for period sex but you you know your partner is not so into it a dental dam this is a great time for that too so there's definitely workarounds around it Mm-hmm. I heard some of my clients, they love using those period cups. They feel mm-hmm. this, they're great yeah. for uh, oral sex during, the, yeah, during totally. the kind of like period time. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think that the menstrual discs are even better for that because they sit mm-hmm. higher up in the vagina. Mm-hmm. You don't have that stem hanging down. And so it doesn't feel like maybe as obtrusive. But yeah, that's a great option too. You can leave that in. And with menstrual discs, you can have sex with them. They might get dislodged. You might have a little bit of leakage, but if you want to have sex, but you don't want to leak or, you know, you're still kind of weirded out by it or your partner is, that's another workaround too. I mean, you know, we're so good. We're so good at multitasking and modifying things. Us women and vagina owners, like just leave it to us to figure out solutions. (laughs) (laughs) And share it. I love that people are talking about all of these hacks and tips and you're right. TikTok and kind of other social media is is full of it, but you want to make Mm -hmm. sure you're asking an expert about some of these suggestions. Right. Have you heard, I'm going to ask you as an expert, have you heard of menstrual masking? No. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) For the listeners, you know, I didn't even like throw this out as I was going to ask you this. I'm totally putting you on this spot. But again, from TikTok, it's people who say that your menstrual blood is good for you and to put it on your skin and use it like as a mask. Oh, no. Yeah. The answer is no. The answer is no. Period sex, yes. Menstrual masking, no. And I, I, you know, I'm not a dermatologist, but my dermatology friends have waited. That's a terrible idea. Your period's great, like for period sex, but maybe not for anything. So yeah, you can go down that rabbit hole after we're done and look at those TikToks. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I want to get like an index for that algorithm. Right. I know. I don't think you want that on your for you page. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think that you're right that just there's so many random information out there. And the fact that people are liking it and the videos are uh, shared, it doesn't mean like they're accurate. Right. But I also, I love that you brought up the concept of the collective period flow. One of the funny things that happened recently for me, one of my friends, she's, she's recently single mm-hmm. uh, after like in a many decades. And she mm-hmm. has this fun, flirtatious experience with this really fun guy. It's just mm-hmm. like, a, it's not a regular thing. It's just a definitely hookup sex. Yeah. And, uh, the opportunity presented itself and she was on her period. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, I don't want, I don't know how the guy feels. How can I 
reduce my flow. I was like, I don't mm-hmm. know what you can do about it. And she was so mad. She was like, your sex therapist, how come you, <laughs> you don't know that? And she started looking at research studies and there was something that says like, if you take ibuprofen, that does it. So I'm, I'm asking yeah. that question from you. Yeah. Oh, I love this question. And I love that she went to you and see, now we know. So yeah. So other than putting in like a, you know, a menstrual disc, there's nothing you can do, but there's so much stuff on TikTok there. I've seen people who say that if you drink lemon juice Mm. or if you drink lots of water and then, yeah. So ibuprofen, this idea that it can somehow shorten your period or decrease your flow. And I think what she might be referring to is that sometimes for people who have really heavy, painful periods, we recommend, you know, a trial of NSAIDs like ibuprofen Mm -hmm. a couple days before your period. But really that's to decrease prostaglandins, which are the hormones that you release and your uterus contracts. So could it potentially decrease your uterine contraction during sex and and then less blood comes out? Maybe. But if you orgasm, that's exactly what your uterus is doing is it's contracting. So I wouldn't so much say it's a, you know, it's a thing to reduce the flow as much as the symptoms, but I do think, you know, this is where using a menstrual disc is great. Don't try and put a tampon in. I've had people try that. And then the question becomes, well, how do you have sex with a tampon? And well, sometimes things move up or whatever, but that's not a great idea because that could, that's not meant for that. But really I think discs, if they started marketing themselves that way, I think they might even get more buy-in. But yeah, the drinks, the, you know, the smoothies, the le- the shots of lemon juice, that just sounds terrible. Like, no, none of it will shorten or reduce your period. Because like, if that worked, don't you think we would like know about it? And a drug oh, company sure. would have somehow exploited that. <laughs> I would drink water 24-7. Right. <laughs> if that right. was the case. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, it's it's funny. I told her, like, talk to him. Maybe he's into that. And she's right, like, it's right. just such an unu- like, unuseful yeah, <laughs> advice right. because she was looking for a way to kind of like. Uh, like I wanted the pill I could take. I wanted the quick fix. And you're telling me to communicate. And that's not what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I know, but like back, like back in the days, I used to do kind of like longer races. And, you, and one mm-hmm. of the things that they were recommending is that you can kind of like take your birth control and kind of like modify the schedule mm-hmm. and things of that nature that you can do but yeah. not necessarily any way to kind of like hold the flow right exactly yeah exactly I mean and I figured that out too in college this was before the internet was a big thing and I was on the pill where I had a week break and I was trying to time my trip to like a vacation mm-hmm. and I was like well I think if I just keep taking it I won't get my period and it worked and mm-hmm. so basically we you know you figure out for yourself like oh continuous birth control works same thing for runners but yeah and thankfully, people are smarter now and there's the internet and things and you can actually talk to your doctor about this. I didn't. But yeah, but once your period is there, it's not like there's anything you can do to, you know, shut it down or whatever, which would be nice. <laughs> well, any, any other best practices that you want people to know that we haven't talked about? Yeah, I think that communication is key. And just like you said, for your friend, don't assume somebody's not going to be into it. And if they respond in a really like gross out way, like one, okay, like society, like that's not maybe so unexpected, but two, if they're really like, if they think you're weird for asking, then maybe that's some really good insight into how you feel about this person in general, because if they're not accepting all of you and this is all of you, like what else are they going to judge? So I think it's a, it's a good, like, it's a good way to figure out where, you know, where your relationship is. And the other thing is if you're, if, if you're down for it, I mean, you probably talk about this with your clients all the time. Like this is where shower sex, like this is what it was invented for. It's awesome because then it's like no mess kind of runs right down. You can just, you know, you know, clean up the shower afterwards. Or if you don't want the shower, like have that, you know, you can buy a mattress pad if you want to have that, or you can just have a towel, like just know that stuff is going to get everywhere potentially. And especially if it's a heavier day and that's okay. But 
don't like, you know, go at it on your really nice couch that you don't want to get messed up. And, and uh, yeah, because sometimes blood's hard to get out of stains, but just really the stuff that we hit beforehand in terms of infection prevention and that kind of thing. So if it's somebody who maybe you're just hooking up with the first time and you don't know their status, you know, you may want to just be a bit more mindful of it. And know that if it didn't work one time or, you, you know, you felt you, you started and then you stopped feeling comfortable or something or you have cramps, like it's always okay to stop because consent is revocable and you can always change your plan. And that's okay. You can do all sorts of fun things like sex mm-hmm. and me, like penis and vagina. You right. can do kind of oral right. sex, like yeah. use toys. There's totally. galaxy of options out there. Totally. And uh, But I love the recommendation that maybe yeah. it's a great time to explore shower sex and yeah. Uh, yeah. kind of like try different positions and different mm-hmm. things, which are mm-hmm. big and novelty. Yes it's fun. And it's also a great time too, to, I mean, you probably review this all the time that so few of us actually orgasm from penetrative sex for almost all of us who have a clitoris. That's what it's about. And so if you don't feel comfortable with that, you could put a tampon in or something and say, you know what, let's focus on my clitoris today. Mm-hmm. And it can help your partner. Maybe if they don't already spend enough time there to realize that it can still be really fun. So yes, lots of other things. Um, you know, anal sex, I mean, that can be done safely and can be really pleasurable. And if you're on your period and you don't want to have vaginal sex, this could be a great time for it. So there's so many things you can still do. It's not the curse. It's not this terrible thing. And culturally, unfortunately, you know, not so much in the US, but in other countries, people, when they're on their period, they're seen as dirty and they can contaminate things and they're sent out, you know, like out of the house, they're sent to other places. And it's, it's a real issue with period poverty and actually causing women to have infections and to die. And and because they're not, they don't have access to clean products because they are literally seen as untouchable. So this is definitely a 180, which is why I love that you're talking about it. Because if we can talk about this, maybe we could just get some people to see that when you're on your period, you're still a human being, right? Like don't even think about sex. Like let's just treat people like humans. And kind of like paying attention to your desire cycle. And mm-hmm. again, I mentioned many people feel have higher desire. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people feel that they have this funky smell when they are in mm-hmm. period. Is that the real thing? The odor, yeah. odor of our body changes? Yeah. I mean, your, your odor definitely can change because the pH of the vagina can change a little bit. And so the period blood can potentially throw off your vaginal pH. And so if you're really worried about an infection, please get checked out. And yes, you can come in when you're on your period. But this is what we do every day. We're not scared of it. We promise. <laughs> it's just another bodily fluid. But for other people, it might be because they're using their products too long, especially mm. like a pad or something like that. So trying to change it out more frequently because while pads are great at wicking away bacteria, sometimes, you know, you still can get, get some bacterial growth there. And then for others, it, you know, a, a change in your sense of it is normal, right? Blood has a smell. It's kind of like that, I don't know, like that irony, you know, like earthy kind of smell. And that's not a bad thing. But if you're somebody who thinks that it's supposed to smell like rose blossoms because of that Vagisil that you bought, which again, no shame in doing that. They spend billions to make us think we need it. But then you might not realize like even what a normal vagina smells like. So it's important to, to tease that out. Well, I, I was lucky enough that I got your book. Thank you for sending me the oh, book. Oh, so, you're so welcome. And what's great about the book is sometimes people ask me questions and they could mm-hmm. be basic questions about kind of physiolo- physiological changes in the body, all sorts of kind of more of a medical question. Yeah. And I always tell them kind of like consult with your physician, talk to mm-hmm. your gynecologist. But I know in the book, you talked, like answered many, many of those questions. So how, how, what led you to writing this book? Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah, I just, you know, I jumped on TikTok just before the pandemic. I'd been on Instagram. I love doing education. 
And then I found that TikTok was where so much of my audience was. And I wanted another place, another resource, because you can only do so many TikToks. And it doesn't matter if one blows up and goes viral. In two weeks, people are asking me the same question because it's hard to find. So I wanted a resource, like a tangible resource. And there's lots of great books out there, but I didn't see a book like mine that you could read the whole thing cover to cover, you know, in an hour. Or you could just go in with your question because it's Q&A based and I have it separated to sections like periods, facts for feeling good, birth control, going to the doctor, cure down there, that kind of thing. And I wanted it just like with my TikToks, people ask me a specific question, I give you a specific answer. And it was, it was how I spent my pandemic writing a book and it was super fun. And I, you know, I kept it very succinct, but I wanted it to have the same tone. Like we're learning, but we're having fun. We're not ashamed and everything is evidence-based. It's all referenced because I'm so obsessed with that because there's so much bad stuff out there. And then I just wanted to be illustrated because I feel like, you know, we're visual people and this generation that's coming up, they're visual because they grew up on TikTok. And so my illustrator, I wanted somebody who could draw things like pads and tampons with blood on them and wouldn't be freaked out. And Charlotte Wilcox, who does that, she's amazing. She had her work at the Vagina Museum in London. Like she's nice. phenomenal. Yeah. And it's, um, it was super fun. I just love putting stuff out there. And it, I tell people like, this is the book that you should leave in your bathroom because your guests might, they're there. Oh, what's this? You know? And then they are like, oh, I have this question too. And it starts these conversations and it's, I just think it's a really fun conversation starter. And I hope it empowers people to know that they can ask these questions and not be embarrassed to ask them. Beautiful. Where can people get a hold of the book and where can they get a hold of you? So you can get the book at Amazon, but you can also support your local bookstores. Um, I know where I am in Portland, they all carry it. And if yours doesn't, you can certainly request it. And then you can find me everywhere on social media these days. I feel like it's a little crazy. So I'm at Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. That's a DR, Jennifer Lincoln on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. I'm also on Twitter. And um, if you sign up, I've got a newsletter coming out and I've got a really, I've got a couple of fun things coming up my sleeve this summer and leading into fall. So if you want to sign up there, you can always stay updated and we can talk all about period sex and more. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on the show for our listeners. The information will be in the show notes. I found the book such a great resource and I I do kind of like sex education, sex therapy for living. So I can imagine for people that are not in the field, they're going to get tons of great information from the book. And again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hope you guys got good information about best practices when it comes to period sex. Reach out to us in our social media. The best way is through our Instagram account, which is at sexology podcast. Let us know if you're yay or nay for period sex. And also, I want to remind you all that I wrote this free book on how to increase your desire, specifically for women Many women and young, especially young women come to my practice and they say they struggle with lower desire. They want to know what they can do to want to have sex more. So this book is for you. It's my gift to you. All you need to do is head over to our show notes and download the free book. Again, thank you so much for listening to this show. I'll talk to you guys next week right here. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.